It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440, Twang Tuesday. We're brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. Hurry in for amazing deals days until February 16th only. 0.99% financing plus a $10,000 cash discount on remaining in-stock Denali half-tons. Visit wolfgmcbuick.com. I like Twang Tuesday. Kind of gives us a feel. We're not smart enough to figure out that Willie Ramirez and Willie Nelson, you know, connect. That was pure luck. Big game tonight. You know, there are times when, you know, a little bit of hype is required. You know, you're like, well, okay, man, I know. Going to have to talk this up because there's not a lot going on. We've got to make this happen. Got to make it sound bigger than it is. Not tonight. Golden Knights have Aiden Hill back in net. Martinez Petrangelo, McDab Korczak, Hag, White Cloud on defense. Wah in the middle between uh, Barbashev and Marcia So. Stevenson with Cotter and Stone. Carlson with Ronberg and Amadio. Howden with Brisson and Kolasar. So they're locked and loaded, and I do believe they'll ready. They'll be ready tonight. I think it'll be a big, big game for both teams. You know, Vegas is there. You know, they want to finish in second. They'd love to be able to drive to first. We'll see if that happens. But Willie Ramirez, I think, laid it out pretty well. And for the Oilers, Stuart Skinner will start. And he's already been talking about lessons learned last year in Vegas in that building. Nurse CC, Ekholm Bouchard, Deharnay Kulak. McDavid between Ryan and Hyman, or Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Hyman. Dreisaitl between Kane and Fogel. McLeod with Holloway and Corey Perry. You may have forgotten because it's been a hundred years. Corey Perry was was twenty four when the Oilers took their break for the All Star break, and he is now thirty eight. That's how long it was. Uh, Derek Ryan will center Yanmark and Brown based on what we're seeing. Would not be surprised if we see some a, a little shuffling going on during the game. I think this is the kind of game where Vegas can beat you with their fourth line. We saw it a year ago, so. If you're mixing and matching and shuffling away, we might see the double shift. I know that if Jay Woodcroft were the coach, I would be predicting a little bit of a duffel shift for Connor McDavid or Leon. We'll see how it goes. Do you remember 17 years ago? I talked about it last hour. And um, we found out that that um, at that time, our friend Declan was in Mrs. Andrews' class and loving every minute of it. In the words of the very famous philosopher's Lover Boy. Do you remember Lover Boy? You don't. Well, I rem- no, I don't remember Lover Boy, but I know of Lover Boy. I've played, you know, listen, I used to listen to them with my dad in the car on <laughs> Saturday afternoons to Home Hardware and You stuff. seem defensive, sir. Well, no, I, did, I don't mean you know, to. You give Jack made, you know, it was a little almost not a whine, but a defensive <laughs> a defensive sound to your voice. It was a little defensive. It's cuz I think I was so attacked. You didn't even really no. give me a chance you, to rebuke. You just said you don't know Lover Boy. You were like, you don't approximately like a millisecond away from saying, "Look, old man, <laughs> <laughs> it got me more heated than I needed to be because I'm not a huge Loverboy fan or anything, but for some reason it got me going. Just, you know, it's funny in life how you, like, you can go forever and nothing bothers you, and then all of a sudden somebody will say something. Who the hell knows why? The brain is out there to troll us. And 
That was that was a great reaction. Okay, the reason I bring up two thousand, you know, we're we're talking like seventeen wins, Yari Curry, all the things we'd associate with seventeen in the Oilers. Seventeen years ago, two thousand six oh seven, right? Ryan Smith's traded in February of that year. There were some other things about that team that were unique, but not in a good way. So I'm going to tell you some of them that I remember. And remember, I was blogging about this every day. I remember this extremely well. In that season, UC Markkinen played 22 games, had an 886 save percentage, and was not the least effective point getter on the team. UC Markkinen had no points in 22 games. Jean-Francois Jacques, the left winger, skated like the wind gigantor man, no points. In 37 games. And you're saying, low tide. How can that be? How can a forward get no points? In 37, that's half a season. Low tide, you're lying to me. Uh, I'm not lying to you. It happened. It happened. It happened. In that same year, Sebastian Bassion was recalled from junior hockey because the Oilers had so many Injuries and difficulties. Played two games. In that season, Alexei Mikhanov, who had been a 2000 first-round pick that they couldn't get over here because he was in love with a girl, and then his visa wouldn't work, and then when they got him here, he was blind as a bat. And so Mikhanov appeared in two games. And I don't know, we didn't see him very much, and I don't know if he saw the ice at all, like when he was out there. He was out there. We have it tracked. But I don't remember, I remember him in the AHL being big, and I remember seeing KHL video of him scoring, but in the NHL he played two games and didn't do anything. Rob Shrimp got into a game that year. Rob Shrimp, who is such a good hockey analyst, I think he was put on the planet to do that. I mean, he was a really, really skilled player. And if he'd been in another organization, maybe he would have played more in the NHL. He did have an NHL career. Not a long one, but he did. Zach Stortini was on that team. 20-year-old kid, 29 games. And he built a career. Now, he is opposite of a lot of kids who are high picks. Didn't make it. He did. He had great character. MacT loved him. And Pat Quinn did, too. And it was, I believe he's the first, I felt bad for him. They introduced the players for opening night one year, the Rennie year, and he was a healthy scratch and he'd been a regular and he's wearing a really nice black suit and a great tie and he looked fantastic, good looking guy. And, but you could tell he was just the the least happy person on the planet. And you know what Zach Stratini did after that game? Like that was in 20, I don't know, 2010, 11. Yeah, we'll say 2010-11. Played 32 games that year. Played the other half in Oklahoma City. The next year, one game in Nashville. And then he played the rest of the decade in the AHL. And he, you know, he he played balls out, heart. I mean, I respect that. Zach Stortini got everything out of his career that he possibly could. And he was on that team. Ethan Morrow played on that team, not much, seven games. Kyle Brodziak was on that team. Robert Nielsen was on that team. Matthew Waugh, who Matthew Waugh would skate over the blue line, trip, hit his head, concuss himself against the boards, clear the puck and go to the bench and be seen a year later. 
Matthew Waugh, I, I, I do not have a way to describe his skating style or his playing style beyond not effective. But he made the NHL, so who am I to say anything? Peter Nedved came back. He played 19 games with that team. Jan Haida, the others didn't like him enough. He ended up to have a, a career after playing at Edmonton, but they didn't play him very much. Matt Green was on that team. Jared Stoll was on that team. They would end up being traded in a, in a very big trade. Like, that was one of the biggest trades of the aughts for the Edmonton Oilers. That was 08, traded for Lubomir Viznovsky to L.A. Matt Green and Jared Stoll were, were dealt away. It was a lot of young depth to trade. Ladislav Smead was on that team. He was just 20, just a rookie. Jason Smith, the veteran. Mark Pouliot. Toby Peterson. Marty Reisner, who Craig McTavish once compared to Joe Sackick. Fernando Pisani was on that team. Joffrey Lupul, Rafi Torres. Sean Horkoff and Alex Hemsky, two of my favorites from that era. Ryan Smith, who got traded, and Peter Sikor. The coaching staff, McTavish, Moore, Simpson, Huddy, Pete Peters, and Brian Ross. Oh, yeah. I remember that season well. The deal for Chris Pronger set up the year in a way that it was doomed. Doomed, I tell you. And... They needed to hold on to Pronger until they had a veteran defenseman who could replace him, and they they didn't get him. It was it, it was just it was damn tough, is what it was. And then it 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 really it resulted in Low leaving and uh, McTavish leaving, and you know new ownership. And Daryl Cates was new and young and didn't have you know the experience. And he hired you know Steve Tambellini, I think was his first hire. I believe that's correct. And we get to January of 2010 and the owner says maybe we should rebuild and that was you know a long time really till McDavid got drafted and it was tough like Oilers fans enjoy tonight enjoy tonight it's been 17 years since all of that happened Um, uh, Ryan Smith was traded like February 27th of 07 it's coming up so there's a Janice Ian song called I Learned the Truth at 17 and I think that is the theme, although it's more about, you know, growing up and finding out what you are in life. And it's kind of a sad song and depressing, but <laughs> I can't think of anything more depressing than the 17 years after February of 2007 for the Edmonton Oilers. Even though they got a bunch of first round picks and a bunch of number one overalls. But this is better. Like if you're an Oilers fan, you've got to admit today is better. It's just better. Robbie Shrimp, legendary, didn't make it, bust, couldn't skate. Well, he had skating issues, but I think he had a pure ability. I think another team or another like now, maybe not now because everybody skates so well. But Shrimp was highly skilled. I always cheered for him. Hey, Todd, I remember the fall of 07 and the game before training camp. Oh, they came to Grand Prairie for training camp. Sorry. Shrimp was the shiny new toy that year. He chose number 44. And he told folks he'd forget, make them forget all about the other number 44 who had just left town. That was Pronger. He was overly cocky at that time and did himself no favors. Things could have been so different for him, for him from Honest Ed. Well, 
you show me a 20 year old or a 21 year old who isn't cocky and I'll, you know, I'll show you a sad state of affairs. Low tide. So you're saying Lavoie is the 2007 Rob Shrimp. Never said that. That's from Mike. Zach Sartini played hard and could take a punch. Yes, he could. Didn't JF Jock start on the first line one year? Woof, well, we were awful then from Steve. Well, that was Pat Quinn. Pat Quinn it was, I don't know, man. I don't. Like, I, I'm not privy to the information that was coming through at that time. But there were some, the, the opening night roster that Pat Quinn iced for the Edmonton Oilers is an all-timer. And, um, yeah. That's all I'll say. You know, I'm I, I'm a big Pat Quinn fan. I think he was a brilliant coach. I think he did a lot of good things in different cities. But that was a very curious decision. That opening night roster. Ty, do you have the Oilers going seven four and one in February? Were you trying to be more conservative in your predictions, Coach Mike? No, I I was conservative in my prediction for for January. I did not have them going unbeaten. Look, I think the NHL is a really tough league. I think regression exists. I think the Oilers will lose a game in February. I'm not trying to break the string, but you're asking my honest opinion. I'll give it to you. I think 7-4-1 and one is fair. That doesn't mean it's right. I think I had them something like 7-3-1 and one last month, and they won all 11 games. Stortini, old huggy bear. I'll tell you a story. Uh, 116, and then we'll take a break, and we'll talk to Daniel. Ryan Rashog, I was on the air one day. I was being interviewed, maybe, on the air. Maybe Bryn had me on. I can't remember now. But I said something like, you know, Stortini, all he does is hug players. He never punches them or fights them. And, and uh, you know, I was I was critical of him. And Rashog called me. Uh, and he said, you know, your criticism is just, you know, I mean, it probably got some laughs, but it's, you know, not fair. You know, he's he's in there and he's, you know, he's he's grabbing onto a guy and the guy's probably a better fighter and certainly older and stronger. And he's, you know, he's he's doing his best. He's fighting, you know, the way he can. And I remember thinking afterwards, I reflected on it. I thought, you know, he's right. I mean, if you're going to take a shot at a guy, you know, make it because he's not playing well, doing the things that he should be doing. Stortini was the guy on the ice who stood up and was overmatched. And did what he had to do to survive. So I learned a lesson there, courtesy Mr. Rishog. All right. It is 117. I just want to take a moment. This is from, where is this from again? Is this the sawmill? Yes, the sawmill. I have a Alberta steak and potato pot pie from sawmill, banquet and catering services. Used to go there all the time in the 80s and the 90s. And just spend all the time there. Lovely place. And not there now because I live in another town. But this is the best pot pie I've ever had in my life. Wow. I, I'm telling you, it's very good. I would imagine you've had a couple in your I've day. had a few. Wow. So I would highly recommend the Alberta Steak and Potato from Sawmill. Pot pie. Very good. Okay. On the way, Daniel Nugent Bowman, who can't have any of my pot pie. I'm going to eat the rest of it now before he gets on the phone and tries to bribe me. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. Visit wolfgmcbuick.com. 
As we remember 17 years of Oilers history in 07, that song applies to the 07 team. Ryan Smith was traded. J.F. Shock played 37 games without getting a point. I'm sure Matthew Waugh hurt himself. It was quite the deal back then, but this Oilers team is rock and rolla, if you know what I mean. We are now joined by our friend Daniel Nugent-Bowman from The Athletic. Daniel, it's been so long since the Oilers played hockey, I had to familiarize myself with the rules again this morning because I don't actually remember how hockey is played. It's been that long. I'm familiarizing myself with the There's a 97 uh, on the team uh, and a 29. Uh, trying to, I'm trying to figure it out, but no, it hasn't been a while. Eh? Uh, it has. So as they, as they try to kind of hit the ground running again and, and you know, equal, equal for the history here, they kind of have to get re- reacclimated. So it, it is a very weird uh, situation here as they, as they, uh, try to win here in Vegas. So uh, if the Oilers break the record tonight, is this peak McDavid era Oilers or did getting to the third round in 2022, in your opinion, represent a bigger accomplishment? Um, that's a tough one. I mean, we value uh, like fans, media, hockey history, you know, values playoff success more than anything else. So I tend to lead that way. But at the same time, I, I think we do undervalue what what happens in the regular season, right? I mean, um, if you can do something over 82 games, or in this case, 17 or 18, or, or who knows how long, um, that's that's a great accomplishment, right? I mean, it takes 16 wins to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, now you're doing it, you know, uh, against theoretically higher caliber uh, opponents, especially as you move along. But to do something over a course of a regular season over several months, I think is is a pretty substantial thing. So, I mean, again, I tend to lean more towards the, the playoff stuff and, and third round and getting stuck in the third round. I'll even say uh, is you know eight wins. They were only eight and eight in that playoff run. Um, you know, that, that's a tremendous accomplishment. Uh, I tend to still lean toward that way, but what they're doing now um, is is certainly uh, puts them right up there in NHL history. So it's hard to, um, you know, discredit or discount that in any way, too. So, again, playoffs probably a little bit ahead, but, but this is certainly a, a tremendous accomplishment. Are you at the rink right now? I am. So there, <laughs> there's some smoke uh, that they're, I guess, they're probably getting ready for the, the pregame okay. uh, festivities tonight. So I, I didn't expect that. I was trying to find somewhere quiet. It's, it's okay. I just thought you were watching Star Wars. <laughs> Like it's it's just a little, a little different kind. Of it did sound a little bit like Darth Vader, eh? Yeah, uh, but it, it may be fitting with with Vegas. But uh, you can add this to the list of sounds that you've heard uh, during our conversations. I, I never <laughs> uh, want over, you, over I, I never want you and Declan to get together in the same room because you'll end up with some kind of weird rock and roll band and become famous with your sound effects. <laughs> well, well, yeah, maybe, maybe not, maybe not. <laughs> we'll stick to hockey stuff. So, okay, let's do that. Uh, Corey, Corey Perry with McLeod and Holloway. Fascinating line. What did you think of their first game together? I have to, what, what happened? <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> um, but no, I, I think there's some chemistry there with Ryan McLeod too, right? Like there's two fast guys with a guy who's not very fast, but certainly knows what to do on the ice. He knows where to go. He knows how uh, he makes up um, with his lack of, of uh, quickness or lack of speed by, you know, using his brains and his, his uh, kind of feistiness uh, and, and the kind of the pest aspect that, that he brings, right? So, um, yeah, I'm intrigued to see that line. And, and I, 
do I think it's going to be the one that we see at the end? I, I don't know, right? Because uh, I think there's still a possibility of, of Dylan Holloway playing center. I think there's even a little bit of possibility of, of Ryan McLeod playing wing. Um, but I think that that line has the makings of, of something um, that could be of value uh, down the stretch and into the playoffs. And, um, you know, one game <laughs> a few days ago or several days ago uh, <laughs> leading toward, uh, you know, that it's, it's almost like the game didn't happen and they have to kind of re- reacclimate things uh, uh, as they get going here. So um, it'll be intriguing to see how they how they kind of uh, move along. So Daniel Nugent Bowman from The Athletic, if I asked you to break down that that game by Corey Perry, shift by shift, are you are you telling me that you wouldn't be able to? Because I know I can't. Uh, do you have any video hanging around? <laughs> no, uh, I would say probably not. I remember him playing a little bit on the the second power play. Uh, he got a little time there. I don't. Um, and and uh, he sent the, the first shift. Uh, there's a scrum, and he was on his butt at the end. Other than that. Um, that's about it. That's about yeah. all, I, I remember. I, all I remembered was that first shift, honest to God. And I know he played and I remember him watching him and thinking, OK, well, he's, you know, he's upright and he's, you know, he's old, but he can do it still. Um, uh, Daniel Lugin-Bowman from The Athletic, our, our guest. I loved your article on Zach Hyman. He's a fascinating character. Every time you write about him, it becomes clear to me that he's a unique human, not just a unique hockey player, but a unique human. Uh, in a good good way, like uh, they say, they use the word mention. I think that fits him. But he's also a, like he's a thinking man's hockey player, and you get a lot of good stuff out of him. W- what kind of of uh, um, what kind of person is Hyman, and what kind of person do you think he is in the room? Is he a consigliere? Is he a uh, what? What does he do? Uh, I know he's very special because of all the things that he does. But I think he's a unique individual as a hockey player too. Yeah, I mean, he's clearly he, he doesn't wear a letter on his jersey, right? And he did, I think, one game in his Oilers tenure, and that was uh, in Toronto um, when I think Connor McDavid and I'm going to guess Ryan Nugent Hopkins probably uh, were on the COVID list. Uh, this is a long time ago, so he he's a, an unofficial leader in this team. There's no question; people gravitate toward him. He's respected um, in the room, and he's a like a calming influence. Like he's a guy, I, I think. I don't know if realist is the right term, but, you know, he, he likes to say that, you know, if you're going through hot stretches or you're going through streaks, like what your stats are at the end, like things, things equal out. Like he's very, you know, analytically uh, inclined and, and like thoughtful in that way where um, he's, he's very sensible, I think, too, right? So a guy that uh, obviously is having a tremendous year because he – knows what to do he knows where to go uh like similar to Corey perry i'd say a little bit faster and younger obviously than Corey perry but certainly making the um you know having the, the ability to, to to play well with Connor mcdavid like he said in the piece um that's not always easy like if that, not everyone has been able to do that like look at famo and Lucic here in edmonton and, and some other guys like uh you know he, he's certainly benefiting from playing with mcdavid and and to some extent, too, with like Nugent Hopkins and and and, um, and Drysaddle on the power play, but um, but certainly um, he deserves credit for the type of season that he's had too. He's made adjustments along the way, like he was saying, um, you know, in the past when he first got into the NHL, he just park himself in front of the net. Now he's you know doing moving screens. He's he's moving off to the side. He's providing different outlets for these star players to find him, and, and certainly he's he's finishing off his chances as well. So yeah, he's the beneficiary of playing with some very good players. But he um, he deserves his, his praise too. 
It's like the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner show is on behind you. <laughs> I, try, I keep trying to move and the sounds keep finding me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. It's hilarious. Uh, your player's poll was fantastic. I, I, You know, it's it's funny. Every once in a while, somebody comes up with an idea or an article or a, a survey in this particular case that that just, you know, really hits right. But I, Connor McDavid's uh, unusual attire... Uh, uh, James Hamblin not picking up a bill. Evander Kane tardy. Uh, Ekholm uh, apparently is the best poker player. Uh, that was a really good article, Daniel. I really enjoyed that. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've tried to do it every year. I've had to miss some years because of COVID and, and uh, you know, whatever, not having, you know, the, the ideal access. But if, uh, you know, I think they're, they're fun. And we, we kind of obviously piggybacked off that off the, the lead poll that we did. Um and so, yeah, I, I hope, you know, obviously not the most hard-hitting journalism in the world, but I, I hope some people got some, some uh, value or, or some laughs or, or whatever out of it. So, um, yeah, I, I, hope, I hope some people found it of value. You, you talked to uh, uh, Jeff Jackson recently, and, and I thought it was a very interesting interview and a, a conversation that was it's well worth finding and, and reading again because nothing, not everything has changed. Very little has changed because there hasn't been a, uh, you know, very many games. But I, I got the feeling when, when you were talking to him and from that article that they are really looking at February leading up until the March deadline, not necessarily as a prove it, you know, Corey Perry, prove it, Dylan Holloway, but to see how well these guys can work, you know, with the coach and, and to supplement or to complement what is already there. And then they'll make their move. Is that how you see it? Do you see this team really letting February play out with what they have and then making a move unless something really pops up? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that's kind of Ken Holland's MO, too, is, like, to make moves very close to the deadline. That's what he's shown here in Edmonton. And, and I think what we've seen from this team is, obviously, they had this start that was disastrous, and now they have this amazing run. They're not – they're somewhere – they're kind of somewhere – there has to be somewhere in between, right? And they're trying to figure out what that what that is. And I think even the evaluators are trying to figure that out, too. Like, um, you know, Warren Fogel, Ryan McLeod having tremendous years – uh, you know, you can lump a few guys uh, or, or, you know, consider a few guys, other guys in that mix, too. Um, but what is this team exactly, right? And, and I, I think February will, coming off this break, will give a good idea. This team, uh, I think there's a lot to like about this team, and, and they're a, a, one of the class of the league. Um, but uh, where they want to go, what are the holes on this team? What what are they, that's what they need to figure out. I think we all kind of know what they are, but how how much um, they have to kind of go to, to to fill those. And you know, we've talked about it a lot here too. Cap, cap space and and assets. Uh, assets are very few, right? Like they don't have a lot of cap space. They don't have a lot of assets, so they they can only maybe do one or two things. I think. And they're going to have to try to prioritize what those are uh, before they actually go and do it. So when, when you're looking at this team right now and, and what they might have to do, uh, I know you wrote about the, the top assets in terms of, of heading out and the, the 24 and 25 picks are, are high. Philip Broberg is high. Uh, your perception is that Dylan Holloway is not in play in any way. He is on the team. Fair? I don't, I don't think he's in play. I think he's on this team. I think he's helpful. Uh, in some way, whether it's the wing or center or adding a little bit of speed to the bottom six, you know, is there a scenario where he's maybe pushed out if they really upgrade? I guess, but I, I really don't see that. Um, 
you know, I, 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 I think the organization would prefer to keep Philip Broberg, but I, I do think he's an option. And uh, to, to be to be moved, like he's got to be a trade option, just given that he's still in Bakersfield. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like the the high end prospects are, are are very very few and far between, and obviously they have their picks. But cap space is, is pretty limited too. So um, I would say that um, when it comes to what they're trying to do, um, you know, there's again, there's those three guys that I, I keep bringing up, and it's. Uh, Fogel, um, uh, Kulak, and Cece that has a little bit of money that don't have trade protection. If you want to really t- tweak the team, I think one of those three guys is probably going to be the one that has to go. All right, so the game is, is supposed to start at 8 o'clock. Do you t- do you, are you like the players? Do you take a nap game day? <laughs> no, I actually had a decent sleep, so I'll probably push through today. So. All right. But, but sometimes I will. Like I don't know. When you have young kids, you kind of take sleep wherever you can and uh, but I think I'm okay for today. Are you Are you hitting the tables? Are you hitting any of the shows? No, that's not that's that's not my thing. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> you know what? Like honestly, if if um, it, preferably there'd be a playoff series uh, against uh, Arizona, and I could maybe squeeze in around a golf or something. But ah, Vegas, very nice. Vegas, I'm not I'm not not much of a gambler. So there you go. Well, yeah. I, I'm not either. Anyway. I, I'm I'm I, I I my problem is if I if I lay down five bucks I start to sweat right like I'm just not comfortable doing it so <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of in that boat too okay. I, I get you there you go all right my friend have a great time down there we'll talk to you again all right take care thank you so much all right there you go Daniel Nugent Bowman from the Athletic 135 this is the first mark I've hit all day did you know that ordinarily when you come out of a break you're supposed to do it at a certain time I missed every one of them today. But this one I have. And if I shut up in the next 30 seconds, I will have it. So I will. We're brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. Wolf GMC uh, com. On the way, we're going to spend a little more time previewing tonight's game and talking a bit about the Edmonton Oilers and what they might do. Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Twang Tuesday for Wolf GMC Buick. Hurry in for amazing deals today until February 16th only. 0% financing for up to 60 months on select remaining in-stock 2023 GMC Sierra half-tons plus a $5,000 cash discount. Visit wolfgmcbuick.com. All right. Oilers tonight have the lineup you would expect. McDavid with Nuge and Hyman, Leon with Kane and Fogel, Holloway and Corey Perry are the wingers with Ryan McLeod at center, and then it's Yanmark, Ryan, and um, who's the other one? Well, Low Tide, you're here to tell us who the other one is. Maybe you should have known what you were talking about. Well, I had it a minute ago. Do you want me to jump in? Sorry, I didn't real. I didn't know if you were asking me, and then it was too long of a pause, so I wasn't sure. No, I, I've actually forgotten the fourth line. It's Yanmark, Ryan, and Brown. Con- yeah, I was going to say Gagne, and I knew that wasn't right. Connor Brown is the fourth line guy. I think Brown and Perry are interchangeable. That's my feeling. If Perry starts to flag, maybe Brown moves up. So you can count on Derek Ryan being the guy who moves up. Any thoughts on uh, what we've talked about today? 
No, I don't. I listen. I'm really excited for this one. It's it's no secret that hockey isn't my first sport sport of choice. Right. But this is a game well, I will not be. We missing. can't talk about highlight because nobody knows it. I know it's such a tragedy. But no, I am very very excited for this one. I'm I'm giddy. Like this is this is how I feel when Jimmy Butler is playing in the in the NBA playoffs when there's a big MMA card. I feel like the butterflies are forming in the stomach a little bit. There's so much riding on it. It's exciting. I'm very very much looking forward to this one. When I was a kid, the most exciting time of my life was at I think it was 4 o'clock Stampede Wrestling would come on this was in Maidstone and my brother and I would watch and <clears throat> then he would beat the daylights out of me while Bugs Bunny was on of course, doing the Stampede Wrestling moves we'd learned and then at 6 o'clock I believe Hockey Night in Canada would come on and the most exciting thing for me was when the Boston Bruins were playing either team either Montreal or or Toronto, and every once in a while you get a playoff game where they're wearing the black jerseys, and sometimes you get the white jerseys. Sometimes they'd be playing at home, and I, I I just remember, you know how when you're a kid you say I have to have all my powers of memory, I have to focus laser focus on this game, and I did. I remember those games extremely well. I remember the line combinations. It's like the time we were driving along the road in Maidstone. And there were two hippies on the road, and the the woman hippie was uh, laying on the ground, and she was topless. And my mom says, oh, my God, that woman's naked. And I looked, and I knew that I had to absolutely focus every brain cell in my, <laughs> that I possibly could, 11 years old or whatever, because I needed to have that visual for life. Do you still have it? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh. So it really was burned in there. Well, because I, like, I grew up like rural area Jehovah's Witness. Yes. So... It wasn't like I was, sure. you know, I wasn't exactly, you know, I didn't have the Camaro, you know, yeah. not that that means anything. You, end, you ended up getting one later, uh, but you could. I, I actually, the the coolest car I had as a young man was I had a Honda Prelude. It was oh, a really nice car. It is nice. Yeah. But I was married by then, so what am I going to do? Well, it's still, it's, you know, ah. sports car adjacent. <laughs> I, had, I had the, before I was married, I had the worst cars, like the yeah. worst cars. Just, you know. I mean, I didn't have any money, right? So just thinking back to what you said there, I like the two ones that stick out for me like that was the the first one, the biggest one was Friday Night Football, mm-hmm. CFL on TSN every Friday. Yeah, just beyond awesome. excited for Friday Night Football. I love the panel. I loved Randorf. I love Schultz. I love Donigan. I love Jock Klein. Suter, you would have loved. Oh, I, yeah. Suits and Cuthbert were my favorite. Yeah. I love those guys so much. Yeah. So Friday Night Football, and then the other one was when I was like 11, 12, 13, I would watch Malcolm in the Middle at nine, and everybody hates Chris at nine thirty, and then go to yeah. bed and it was such a treat every weekday i i have to say milk in the middle is is a was a great show oh incredible they're, they're we, f- we talk about it a little too much on this show maybe <laughs> did i tell you about the time she's she'd given up on all of them oh yeah and she's at the the bat like she's at, Low tide she's is one of my favorites yeah she's hitting the ball at, like she's at the wherever you hit the bat what do you call that when you go the batting cage yeah batting yeah. cage and you pay your money and they the <laughs> ball keeps coming you keep hitting she's hammering balls and and like he says to her, he says, what do we have to do to get you to come back? And she said, I want you to listen. I want you to genuinely try. I want you to pick up after yourself. I want you to make absolutely certain that I do not have to be mother to all of you, including you. I don't, all those things. And he said, well, we can't do that. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and then they fight the clowns. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Incredible. Oh, my what a God. great episode. That, that show is killer. There's no doubt about it. Did you ever watch Scrubs? I never watched no. Scrubs, no. Great show. Maybe I'll get into it. I got some free time. 
Uh, Toby Keith died. Yes, we know. We were talking about that earlier. And, and uh, not, not an older fellow either, like 64, I believe. 62. Like. 62. Yeah. So, um, uh, Lotad, I know you don't generally like to get into predictions, but is there any way I could squeeze one out? Well, of I you? think they win tonight. Okay. I think it'll be. I'll say 4-2 with an empty net, but it'll okay. be close for most of the game. Now, there is a follow-up question to that. That, of course, puts the streak at 17. Yeah. Do we have an end number in yes. sight? Okay. They'll win 18 in Anaheim, and then they'll lose. They'll stub their in, toe in L.A. In LA. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's my that's my prediction. And and I, like, people were asking me about why did you predict 7-4-1? Because the odds of them going, like, without a loss two months in a row is just too much to even like imply predict you know even blue sky it's just not it's not realistic well let me pitch this to you if they do get by la does the pasture all of a sudden look very green out ahead of them what do you think then well, I, if they get by LA, then I mean it's it, it'd be all there because then they'll be back, they'll be mm-hmm. acclimated, they will have used both goaltenders, and they're still winning. So, and sky's the limit. The reason I picked LA as a loss, I think that's where where Calvin Pickard is going to play. And you know, you're, you, I I think you run Skinner to break the record. That's my belief. Then you play LA, and probably Pickard plays, and they lose. See, right? Because conventional wisdom would probably suggest Calvin Pickard plays against Anaheim. Skin gets the start against LA. But I guess you can't really do that with the record on the line, can you? Or yeah. maybe you can. Calvin Pickard, he's played. He's played okay. Nah, he's, well, he's played better than okay. He's played nah, well on the streak. No, All right. no, you gotta. This is you don't keep the net from Stuart Skinner. He's your guy. Uh, two here from tomato soup. By the way, I love tomato soup. Did you like your pot pie from Samuel? I did. I had a butter chicken pot pie. Mm. It was very good. It was full of carrots and celery and onion. It was really, really Look nice. Look at how healthy we are. <laughs> I know. Eating a pot pie mm-hmm. for breakfast. <laughs> Low Tide, who's the guy? Hold on. What happened here? Who's the guy that showed up for a shout, shout out, shootout, did a spinorama at center ice when he scored a goal? Skated off the ice, and we never heard them from them again. It might have been Linus Omar. He did that against Tampa Bay Lightning, and they got mad at him. I think uh, it was a spin move into a slap shot, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, and be, oh, the Lightning were so mad. What a bunch of goofs! He scored on you. Suck it up, Buttercup. Um, and then Tomato Soup also says, "I just passed Maidstone thirty-eight seconds ago." I was telling the story about the topless woman when I was eleven years old, right by the elevators on the highway. I couldn't believe it. My brother was in there like a dirty shirt. I don't know what my dad did. He probably just <laughs> kept his eyes on the road. But you do remember things like that oh, when you're sure. young, you know? Like, remember one time a guy named Jimmy DeBell he was getting out of our car, and we'd given him a ride somewhere. And he was sitting in the back with my brother and I. And he got out of the car, and he meant to say, thank you for the ride. And he said, thank you for the... And he hit his head on the back of the, the 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 door jam of the car and his teeth fell out and i laughed so hard and my dad because it's the 60s my dad reached around and hammers me one bang <laughs> because i but it was it was slapstick i wasn't laughing at jimmy DeBell. I was laughing at the slapstick. It's almost one of the ones where, like, you're laughing and then your dad knocks your teeth out. You're like, how do you like it? <laughs> like, people ask me, oh, the 60s, was it great? Or no. You, you, adults could do anything to children in the 60s. And they did. 
and and it was you know it wasn't you know my dad was a good man he was not a violent guy but the, even with that the 60s were nobody was going to ever do anything to anybody just the way it was if you're if you're thinking the world is a better place now you're right if you're thinking the world in 1970 was better than it is now you're wrong you just are and don't believe that we're better as a species now than we were then. Okay, that shouldn't... That would have been so perfect to end on. Unfortunately, we do have about four or five minutes left. Yeah, now that I... Now I'm going to... That would have been good. Were they spectacular? Yes, they were. Even though I didn't know what the hell I was dealing with, uh, they were. Low Tide, now that the orders are good again, what was your favorite bad orders team? Oh, um... Oh, I really liked the ten eleven team, and they were bad. But Tanner Hall was so good; I loved watching that. And, you know, um, <clears throat> favorite bad team. See, my first instinct was like that eleven twelve ten that era because Darcy Hordachuk's my favorite Oiler of all time. So. I, I uh, you know, uh, my son's best friend. I think Dar- Darcy Hordachuk is his uncle. Really? Yeah, my, oh, wow. my son's best friend. Yeah, and so when they signed. I was like, hey, they signed your uncle because I knew that. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, we were just hoping it goes well. <laughs> because when you are a relative of somebody who you know yeah. plays for the Oilers, it could go badly. I, I read rumor one time that he used to drink seven Red Bulls before games. Wow. I don't know if that's true or not, but wow. that's that's pretty incredible. One day I'll tell you my, I don't think I have time to tell you my Steve Finley story. I go pick up my son one day at school and one of the kids in the little hat rack, back rack, whatever, shoe rack area room, he has uh, a St. Louis Blues backpack. And his mom is there helping him. I'm like, oh, St. Louis Blues. And he, and his mom says, yeah, uh, Jeff Finley is his uncle. I said, oh, my God. He's played like 700 NHL games. You must be so proud of him. And the little guy says, he never scores any goals. <laughs> I cracked up. I cracked up. I mean, the guy is a, like, he is an NHL player for like a decade plus. But the kids, right? They they just, they're pure. They just are. Um, Brian S. says, hey, tomato soup, bagged milk, hilarious. Maybe my name should be sauerkraut pierogi or pub crawler. They're all good. I didn't expect to hear the phrase topless hippie today, but here we are. Nice work from your can. Well, it happened, you know. I just can't help but imagine someone, you know, stumbling across Sports 1440 and being like, oh, Sports Radio Station, that's cool. And they turned it on right at that very moment when you said that sentence. I believe that people should be entertained, and that's what we try to do here. Speaking of, tomorrow on the show... My friend Bruce McCurdy will join us, hopefully to talk about a victory and a, a record tied and maybe a record to be uh, exceeded later in the week. And if not, we'll just talk about the sun and the moon and the stars and Genesis and yes and um, King Crimson, maybe. Um, so how are you doing? Are you OK? Everything's good for you? Yeah, you everything. enjoyed the show. We did everything we we're supposed to do. I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. I think we covered all bases. Uh, yeah, it was nice. I think we, we should do. have like the last five minutes should be like a Bible reading or something like that. Yeah, we could do that. Maybe some advice. You, yesterday, were you were giving love advice. Do you want to continue that? 
No, because I don't think it was. I don't think it was good advice. I don't think. I don't think people should follow that advice. My advice for anyone who missed it was just. It was essentially in layman's terms. It was watch sports and ignore your spouse. I don't think that's uh, that's really conducive to a healthy relationship. Well, I think what you were was saying that you were honest. Yes, it, that's, and, I, I like that. That is yeah. that is the bottom line of it all. I appreciate that. Yeah, I I feel like you were honest, and that's the that's the bottom line. I want to see the oil break the record, then lose right away. That way, they put the storyline to bed, get focused, and have the attention from outside placed elsewhere as they head down the stretch drive from Sean. I think a lot of fans feel the same way as you, Sean. I don't believe in any of that. It's like yelling shut out. It doesn't mean anything. Well, this is a good line. Nooch, Gary, Jerry in Camrose. 20 years ago, chicken pot pie were my three favorite things. <laughs> oh, we have clever people. Not, not behind the microphone. I'm talking about people texting in. Thanks so much for tuning into The Lowdown. Jason Greger on the way. Tomorrow, Bruce McCurdy on The Lowdown. Please enjoy your day. It's time for an update.